Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 18. I'm Bethany, your host, and today I am joined by return guest Rachel from Reads with Rachel on YouTube and a veteran now of the Chapter 3 Podcast, Leanna from Leanna's Library, to talk about the new Netflix adaptation of Shadow and Bone. Should be really fun. If you want to support the podcast and get early access to episodes and exciting bonus content from our guests, check out our Patreon linked in the show notes. And a big thing Thank you to all of our patrons with a special shout out to our world expanding patron, Trina. Your support makes this possible. Before our conversation today, it's time for On My Radar, where I'll share some recent or upcoming book releases in science fiction, fantasy, and romance that I'm excited about, and then our guests will have the opportunity to share one as well. The books for today's episode will be released between May 26th and June 8th, 2021, with the exception of guest recommendations, which may include any upcoming release. First up, we have two releases on June 1st. The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo is a queer fantasy retelling of The Great Gatsby with a Vietnamese protagonist as Jordan Baker. It's a really interesting take on it. Um, I just finished it myself, and I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see people read. Then also on June 1st, we have The Darkness Outside Us by Schreffer Elliott, which is a queer YA sci-fi mystery about two boys alone on a spaceship who are piecing together what has happened. One of them has no memory of the past. Looks really interesting. Then two books coming out on June 8th. First up, Real by Kennedy Ryan is the first book in a new romance series with a Hollywood tale of wild ambition, artistic obsession, and unrelenting love. Kennedy Ryan always writes fantastic, hard-hitting romances, and I'm really excited for this one. And finally, also on June 8th, we've got The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which I'm very excited about. This is the first book in a new trilogy inspired by the history and epics of India, in which a captive princess and a maid servant in possession of forbidden magic become unlikely allies on a dark journey to save their empire from the princess's traitor brother. It looks amazing. Really looking forward to that. With that said, please join me in welcoming Rachel and Leanna to the show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Should be fun. If you guys want to briefly introduce yourselves to our listeners, I know you both have been on here before, um, and share your pick for an exciting upcoming release. You can go, Leanna. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should already know who I am. But sure, I am you've been on several episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm Liana from Liana's Library, um, and I will be sharing a new-ish release. <clears throat> that is to say, a new edition of an old book. Uh, Tor mm. is going to be releasing a hardcover edition of Gene Wolfe's Shadow and Claw, which is a bind-up of the first two books in the Book of the New Sun, Shadow of the Torturer and Claw of the Conciliator. I am currently reading these books and uh, really enjoying my like discovering this like old old SFF like book series and seeing kind of the origins of some current uh, currently written SFF. So in any case, it's really cool to finally now have like a cool hardback edition. Me being a collector of pretty books is excited <laughs> to have like a cool edition because otherwise it's only the originally released hardcovers from the 80s and that's you know good luck <laughs> so on june 8th you can get your very own hardcover uh i'm rachel from reads with rachel um i do like fantasy and and contemporary reviews but i'm in a fantasy kick right now so one book that i'm really excited for is six crimson cranes which comes out on july 6th i believe by elizabeth Lim. um it's a about a girl named Shiori who has 
forbidden magic and she like lets it loose and then her stepmother finds out and banishes her and makes it so that she can't speak anymore and if she talks uh, her brothers who her stepmother has turned into cranes will die so I think that sounds really fun and uh, very high stakes so I'm excited for it that sounds like a a fairy tale that I'm yeah it does I think it I think it is a fairy tale but I don't know I, I don't think it's like a typical like uh little mermaid or i, I think, think it's, it's about originally about swans oh okay that i know about oh, interesting like the swan princess type thing no i mean it's, it's it's about like brother her brothers being swans and she's not allowed to speak um because of some curse on them and i forget why they get in the situation but like there's a fairy tale like that Ooh, oh i have to find out more about that that's cool well the cover is stunning i have it seen is. that yeah it, it's the same cover artist as uh who did elizabeth Lim's other series mm-hmm. the um what's that called oh my gosh spin the dawn and yeah, the cover yeah. artist for that is just incredibly talented so pretty yeah it's a stunning cover awesome those are great picks so tonight or well, t- well you're getting this in the morning <laughs> today <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about Shadow and Bone, which is a recent adaptation Netflix did of two series by Lee Bardugo, the Shadow and Bone trilogy and the Six of Crows duology. And um, to be up front, I think all of us are fans of the show, so you are not going to be getting like naysayers. If you're looking for criticism, like you're probably not going to get any heavy criticism here, but uh, I'm sure we have some critiques to make. I have probably more of the books than the show, to be honest, but we're going to talk about it and hopefully this will be fun and interesting for everybody. Thank you to Rachel and Leanna for joining me on this. I thought you guys would be good people to have this conversation with yeah i think and i had and i have watched this show more than once at this point more than twice probably <laughs> i want to say like so. i've had shadow and the uh, shadow and bone on the brain ever since watching it so i just like constantly am thinking about it so yep. <laughs> we may as well talk out loud about it yep i i just feel really accomplished that i finished the entire thing in like two weeks because i never do that <laughs> Oh, that was finished it the first day it was out. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I thought one place, uh, uh, maybe a good place to start with this is background with the books. What of the books have you read? We could all kind of share like, what what has your experience been prior to the show? Like what books of the Grishaverse have we read? Yes. Um, okay, uh, for me, I've read all of the um, all of the books except the novellas at this point, um, which I don't know why I have put the novellas off, but I have. Um, so I've read the Shadow and Bone trilogy, Six of Crows, and then the King of Scars duology, which I just finished Rule of Wolves uh, a couple of days ago, and it was it was a time. <laughs> um, so okay. yeah, uh, all of them except the novellas. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I read uh, the trilogy, the Six of Crows duology. I haven't yet read Rule of Wolves, but I did read King of Scars, and I have read uh, Language of Thorns, but I haven't read The Lives of Saints. Okay. So I've probably read the least and, like, have been the worst about finishing things. So, like, I've read the Shadow and Bone trilogy. I have read Six of Crows, but not Crooked Kingdom. <gasps> but I have but I have read King of Scars. So, like, I know the spoilers for Crooked Kingdom. Okay, okay. <laughs> 
Rachel sounds exactly <laughs> like I did when I found that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. No. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bothered by it. It's fine. Um, I I do plan to read Crooked Kingdom, but it's on May. When I found out and... you hadn't read Crooked Kingdom, I was like going through the catalog of previous conversations in my brain, being like, "What have I said about <laughs> <Right>. this <laughs> And I was like, "What no, do I need to not say here?" It's fine. It's all fine. I am not that bothered by spoilers, um, unless it's like a thriller. And uh, I have read The Lives of Saints, which I loved, actually. So Yeah, I'm really interested in reading that. I heard that Ben Barnes did the audio, so... Oh, the audio is really good. I I had an audio like a, a review copy of the audiobook. Nice. And I and I read along physically while listening to the audio and it was a wonderful experience. Highly recommend. Oh, I like that. I might do that. Yeah. yeah it was it was great. Okay, cool. So we we we've all read quite a significant amount going into this. Thoughts. What did you think of the adaptation? They made some changes. I think interesting ones. What are your kind of initial thoughts on as a whole? Leanna, you can go. <laughs> uh, I went first last time. <laughs> You're just doing this so that you can grab your attack. She makes a good point. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I think that they did a really good job with almost everything. I think that there were a couple of like weird plot holes that I picked up upon like the second possibly third watch of it don't judge me um but other than that I think that they did a really good job making changes in things that I did not like from the books uh something that I had a complaint about was just I felt like they didn't have enough of like Grisha training (laughs) there was very little uh on-screen presence of like Botkin which I thought was a really important character and Mm. I don't recall ever seeing any um oh shoot what are the what are the people who manipulate water oh my god it's been a long day squallers squall no that's the wind tide makers tide makers that's it I don't remember ever seeing any tide makers on screen and I thought that that was kind of a bummer Mm. because that left out an entire piece of um the training that we we could have seen with Botkin and all of the other Grisha, but we didn't really see a lot of training. In general, didn't really go too much into like the different orders and the different kinds of Grisha. Yeah. Well, they were trying to accomplish a lot. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we would definitely see, um, see more of that. Well, at least more of the, the various kinds if it gets renewed for a second season, because you would have more of maybe Grisha on well, I mean in Six of Crows you even get tide makers and squallers yeah. and yeah. heart renders so right but this is not following Six of Crows even though it is following characters from Six of Crows which is interesting right but for season two I meant like then you right, would right, definitely right, right. even in yeah. Ketterdam you'd see those things true true I thought it was an interesting choice combining the the series and giving us kind of like a prequel sort of to six of crows like backstory yeah i think the thing it did most uh weekly um uh meaning week not like uh not like the days <laughs> not of the week. Week. i think you know what i mean like not strong yeah. yeah um was uh introducing nina and matthias i yes. think if you've read the books then it was sufficient because you can fill in the gaps because you know what happens in the book but if you don't know these characters at all, 
and you've never read Six of Crows and you don't know what their deal is, it is very like rushed and sudden and thrown in there. And for one, you definitely don't feel like you know why you're being shown this. I mean, if you don't know who they are, like it didn't I didn't think of it from that perspective until I talked to people who hadn't read the books. And I was like, oh, there's Nina Matthias. Like, great. We get to see them. But if you yeah. don't know who they are and you don't know they're going to be in Six of Crows, you're like, who are these people? Why do I yeah. care about any of this? And then the fa- they're the turnaround on them developing affection and trust again like it kind of gives you the like montage highlights of what happens in six of crows but six of mm-hmm. crows does a better job convincing you that this is possible whereas mm-hmm. the show rushes through it so quickly that like i know that if you haven't read the book most people are like uh that's unbelievable <laughs> yeah i fully agree with that they skipped an entire episode i think it was Episode six, we see the most of them, right? And then episode seven, we see nothing. And then they're back in episode eight, and it, it goes from him saving her life to them making plans to possibly run away together. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> that <laughs> no, yeah. It, I guess it's hard when you're juggling so many storylines this way. Yeah, but. But yeah, that, I think that's a fair a fair criticism. I am still annoyed that they didn't actually go with a plus size um, actress for Nina. I mean, I know she's not she's not skinny. The actress they chose, but she's not really plus size either. She's just average. <laughs> I'm still annoyed about that. Yeah, I'm, I feel very conflicted about that whole situation because on the one hand, Nina is my all-time favorite character in fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing her on screen is huge for me. But yeah. the fact that they were not true to who she is and how Lee wrote her was, yeah, it was in, yeah. It, it was disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I think the actress they chose did a pretty good job, but I'm still just like, I'm like, come on. Like, we could have gotten – representation that is sorely needed we and could instead have had it all. we're just like yeah but instead like to me what it signals is oh like average sizes is the same as being plus size which no yeah <laughs> it's, not. it's not the same thing only comparatively when you have very very thin actresses playing all the other roles yeah, I, so, yeah I, I mean, then average bodies are also being depicted as super skinny per usual, mm-hmm. which is also not the best situation no. per usual. Right, exactly. <laughs> per usual. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm annoyed about that, even though I do think she did a good job, but I wish that they had taken that more seriously. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely was very excited to see the crows on screen, like, and I think that was, at least for me, the coolest moment of seeing the trailers as well. I feel like that was true of a lot of people. Seeing them, like, come to life in that way, I thought was pretty amazing. I was going to say, there's that clip of Lee Bardugo on set. She's obviously, like, emotional meeting all of them. But specifically the moment when Freddie Carter, dressed as Kaz, walks out with Inej. And she was like, this is kind of eerie. (laughs) Seeing you guys. (laughs) Yeah. They did so good. And, like, I also love the fact, right, that with Kaz, where, you know, I mean, because, like, Lee, the the author of the books, for anyone who doesn't know, but, like, Lee is disabled and, and uses a cane. And so it's cool that, like, we have a character who is so iconic, who is also disabled and a badass, although I have thoughts. But tell Are me. Are we going to hear the thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I, like, okay. Cool. So it, it, it's true. <laughs> Sorry. It struck me as a little bit like 
weird the scene where like Pekka Rollins comes in and his guys like beat Kaz up kind of and I was like really like I feel like I don't know it felt off to me in terms of like what I had seen from Kaz in the books am I the only one who felt that way off in what way I had trouble believing that he would like let himself be put in that situation at this point in his life you know Leanna what book is it that Kaz actually lets himself get the absolute crap kicked out of him <laughs> is it crooked, crooked kingdom? kingdom yeah yeah i think okay. that if yeah without having read crooked kingdom i could see why you would feel that way but there is a point in crooked kingdom where he he actually does that where um the the whole of the crows like that the actual what the dregs um they yeah. turn on him and uh he goes back into the club and <laughs> lets himself get beat to hell. And Inez is like, do you want me to step in? And he's like, absolutely not. And uh, it, it was pretty iconic that he like lets himself get beat to a pulp and huh. then has a point to make. So I think that without reading Kriggy Kingdom, yeah, I could see why you why you might feel that way. That's interesting. It, I guess it just felt to me in this case, it didn't feel like he was letting it happen, but that like he couldn't do anything about it. That was how it read to me on screen. I guess it also, I mean, to me, like this is Kaz Bricker before Six of Crows. And so yeah. like arguably when you meet him in Six of Crows, he, there are, he has learned a lot of lessons across his life. And who's to say that the most recent lesson that wasn't, you know, right before the events of Six of Crows. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. good point. So, things that you loved about it as an adaptation? Um, I would like to say everything. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that it – so, I had a lot of issues with the books. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, with the Grisha trilogy and Six of Crows or just the Grisha trilogy? Sorry. Yeah, just the Grisha trilogy. Okay, we were about to have – Again, I mean, no, <laughs> it's gonna be pretty. <laughs> so, yeah, I have absolutely zero issues with the Six of Crows. Duology. Okay, we can be friends. <laughs> Five stars all around, but yeah, the the trilogy itself, I just being in Alina's head was really oh my tough. Gosh. I I couldn't deal with it. I actually the last time I tried to reread Ruin and Rising, I ended up DNFing because so I was like, you know, I know what happens, and uh, I don't want to listen to her anymore. So. <laughs> I'm all done. Oh, man. Alina but is the worst. That she, was it's really hard to be in her head. If Book Alina was Jesse May, it wouldn't be so hard. <laughs> True. Yeah, like, well, in the show, they're so much – I mean, I liked them both so much more in the show than in the books. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I think that uh, just being out of Alina's head, for one thing, made a huge difference. And mm-hmm. on top of that, aging up the characters. Yes. And <laughs> In my uh, head, they were older anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I read all YA books, which I know. That's because we watch TV shows where, you know, everyone in high school is played by 28-year-olds. True. (laughs) Riverdale. Leanna and I watch Riverdale. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Fair point. No, well, I mean, like, I I read them and I'm like, they're not 16. They're like 20. Yeah. (laughs) Except for once in a while when they act super childish and you're like, oh, my God, you're 16. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So all of that, like, difference uh, between the books and the show just made it so much more enjoyable. Like, I like the idea of the books, but I think that just from being in first person POV all the time that 
the books really suffered for that. So the show takes that mm-hmm. out and makes it way more enjoyable. I also think that uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that they did. I obviously knew that they were deciding to make Alina's character canon shoe. And so they, you know, mm-hmm. cast Jesse May, which obviously that's something, you know, before you watch the show, you, I mean, you see the cast and you know that they announced that that was the decision. What we didn't have any way of knowing is how much they would weave her shoe identity into the plot and into like act actively discussing it. Um, yeah. like between the characters and it's not just like oh well she's shoe like isn't that nice like where it's a her the the way she's othered by that and the way that that mm-hmm. also parallels the way that Grisha are othered and like having the like you know kind of uh, propaganda type stuff around that's kind of racist looking and have weaving that even into Mal and Alina's ra- uh, relationship how they have were kind of like it wasn't just like two random orphans that kind of hit it off. They were two random orphans that hit it off because they were both getting, you know, bullied because they were being othered. So I liked right. that that was really, really, really like incorporated like that. I, yeah, I liked that too. I thought it was interesting. I have seen vaguely because I haven't gone and like really listened to it, but I've like, like from a distance seen some criticism, I think. You guys, I feel like, have probably been more in the, um, like, maybe have actually watched more of this than I have, but I know not everybody liked that element. I liked it and thought it was good, but, like, not everybody seemed to feel the same way. Yeah, I, um, most of that discourse has been on Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, and I really appreciated hearing from um, Asian reviewers who felt like, both they enjoyed feeling like they were represented but also dissenting opinions talking about how it felt a little bit um like racism from the white gaze uh (laughs) and that it didn't really take into account like uh, microaggressions and things like that so i can understand both sides and i i appreciate that people are talking about it and i think that it's good for those of us who aren't you know own voices reviewers to listen to what everybody has to say about it who is own voices yeah no it's I mean it's it's interesting because I think something like that when you have you know choices being made about representation you frequently will you know like people are not a monolith and experiences are not a monolith and you I think frequently will have people who feel differently about it so yeah that's interesting I think that's something that I've talked to my husband Carlos about this he's a big fan too I think that's something that they should have done and should do going forward (laughs) is hire people who have read the books who mm-hmm. want to consume the the further content, um, people within the book community, hire them as consultants. Mm. I think that that would be really helpful for them to not <laughs> upset people again. Yeah, but I mean, will they? I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> there have been a few big controversies. I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into all of this or how much you guys have seen of it. Um, but like, I know... The, the other thing that I've been seeing a lot of discourse on in, on TikTok, in bookish TikTok, has been that um, they used brownface with Amita's stunt double. Yeah, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Lee Bardugo has already spoken up about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a whole mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really know what else to say other than that's a, that's a whole mess. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that they make amends and do better going forward yeah definitely yeah and you know i mean i think i saw one person who made a very good point that like 
Bollywood has a whole film industry and it would probably not probably not be that hard to find somebody willing to work as a stunt double. They will yeah, I, I I think that any anybody who may have said that they couldn't find a stunt double uh, was lying. I mean, if you can find somebody to cast as Inej, then you can and and do so so perfectly because mm-hmm. Amita Suman she is Inej. Like she yeah. she embodies that character perfectly. I yeah. don't see why you can't find a stunt double a to stunt do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Those are some of the controversies. Did you guys have any other things that you like, either things that you really loved that you want to talk about or things that you were not a fan of? Things I wasn't a fan of? I can't, I really cannot <laughs> think, I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. I watched it too many times to count at this point. I think a lot of the reaction when it first came out was people being, even people who went in excited and people went in with high expectations were like, that was way better than it had any right to be. We yeah. were not ready. We were not expecting it to be so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, Yeah. Same. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought they did an amazing job at adapting it. I thought the actors that they cast in generally did an incredible job. Um, I love Jesper in the show so much. Oh my gosh, I loved him so much. <laughs> it, it's, one of the things that was what could easily have gone the most wrong was inventing an entire prequel plot line for yes. Kaz and Nej and Jesper, and they wove it in so seamlessly that if you haven't job. read the books, you wouldn't guess that that's not part of the books. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think that the conductor was so well placed and that that whole plot line was so excellent it really a lot of the scenes felt like lee had written them herself like from the dialogue to the character i suspect she probably Mm -hmm. did to some degree at least some of it well she was a producer on the show so i'm sure she had at least some involvement in some of it but i don't I don't know how much. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think we'll ever know. But I, I assume <laughs> yeah. whenever they put like uh, an author on executive producer, that they do so sort of like a like an honorary thing. So mm-hmm. I hope that she's more involved and continues to be more involved um, yeah. than you know just that capacity of an honorary type thing. Yeah, I hope so too. I um so my favorite character from the original trilogy and my favorite relationship i i will say leanne i think we talked about this before i had gotten farther into it and i she ended up growing on me but initially I knew she would <laughs> she did <laughs> but i like i love jenya and yes. david um i wanted more of david actually like of their relationship but i really she i at the beginning like the first few episodes i was like i don't know I don't know about this Jenya. I don't, I don't feel like they're making enough use of her, but like she really, they, they really, I think did a pretty good job with her, but I want more of her and David. They're my favorite. I want a whole novella that's just Jenya and David. I mean, like, in fairness to them, write that. that's, there was already more of David and Jenya in the show than there is in the first book. So like yeah, they already yeah. did more that's of that true. than you're entitled to if you're just going <laughs> but, off the books. I guess so. But I, you know what it probably is, is that the whole time I was reading it, I was like, can we just be in Jenya's head? and not Alina's please and thank you that would be great (laughs) that was exactly my thing about the books is upon reread I was like you know what would make this better is if it were written exactly like Six of Crows if I were getting different POVs in third person I would be so much happier Yeah. yeah I mean to be fair I think um you know this was the first one was her debut novel as well yeah right so, I mean, part of it is like, you know, she's grown as a, as a writer and a storyteller over time, but 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If it took the Grisha trilogy to give us Six of Crows, that's the price I'd gladly pay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so much that we could talk well, about. Well, I know that this. the uh, there's a lot that um, – and this I think this is more true for the Six of Crows characters than for the Shadow and Bone characters – that there is so much in those books that is character introspection and internal trauma and internal mm-hmm. issues and internal emotional journeys. And those actors had to start to show us that like yeah. on their faces in their interactions. And like for Kaz, for example, the fact that people are able to pick up on some of his like hangups and issues and PTSD just from how Freddie played the character. It's not even mm-hmm. lines. Like a lot of it is not even dialogue. It's just like, those choice moments of like how he looks and how he flinches and how he reacts yeah. to stuff that in a, it's always really difficult when going from book to movie to, to show us that stuff that is on the inside of the character that the reader is privy to that there's no, unless you're going to go the eighties Dune route and have a voiceover telling us their internal thoughts, which I don't <laughs> recommend. Like no. that's really tricky. And I think that credit to the actors, like they did really, show us the internal journeys of those characters yeah i agree i think they did an amazing job and i think you start to see these relationships between characters starting to develop and oh, it was so good <laughs> there it is oh it was so good <laughs> oh, <there's laughs> um okay so we've touched a little bit on this but i and you know in in the book fandom there is kind of a split right between people who like Alina and Mal and like them together. They're just going right for it. All right. <laughs> you know, we got to be controversial here. Um, and people who f- feel differently. So maybe we could like briefly share our perspectives on that in the book versus the show. <laughs> I just imagine this devolving into that one um, video where the guys are arguing over the Wicked Witch of the East. Like that—that's <laughs> that's where this ends. I was gonna say, Rachel, it was really nice to be your friend for the first half of this podcast. Um, <laughs> you on the other side. <laughs> I think that um, the show did a really good job of taking something that a lot of people hated, myself included, which was Alina and Mal, and Mm -hmm. fixing literally every single problem I had with him and making me love Alina and Mal. And it's it's not as if I ever read the books and thought, man, I would really like Alina to be with the Darkling. Uh, I just didn't want her to be with anybody because I thought that all of her options were terrible. Mm. But the show... I only want Mal. There is no other option. And I will hear no dissenting opinions from any of the Dark Lena stands out there. <laughs> Word. So that's something we can agree on. We never yeah. understood the Dark Lena stands. Mm. And that is like, that's a thing that I can't fight you on right now that I'd love to fight somebody <laughs> on. Isn't that like, no, the people that are like, that, that, that are, you, you can hate Mal. I'll kind of allow it. But, um, the people who are like anti-Mal but pro-Darkling and they are they claim that Mal is so toxic. And I'm like, and you think the Darkling is less toxic than Mal? No. Please yeah. make it make sense. <laughs> I think that there are so many stories out there in which there is a, not even a heroine, but a protagonist who has inclinations toward going toward the dark side and having a 
villain who's also sort of a love interest. Mm-hmm. I think that Furyborn is the book that people who love Darklina should read. Like, <laughs> I will true. die on this hill. Just true read story. Furyborn if that's what you want. True story. Yes. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. ship it in the books or on the no. show. I just don't – I don't see it. Well, the it. thing I, is too that like I think the Darkling is well written and I think that yeah. the way that that, you know, that temptation towards uh, towards the darkness or whatever the, and the way that he says things that you're like, you're not necessarily wrong. You've just taken this to an extreme that I can't go with you on. I can't condone that. But a lot mm-hmm. of what you've, you're saying, like it, it's that whole like, you know, the dark side has a point. So I think he's well written and I would like to say that I like the Darkling, except whenever I say that, people are like, oh, you ship that. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Same. Yeah, same. Well, I feel the same way too. I mean, like, I like the Darkling. I don't like him for Alina. Yeah. What do we think about the fact that he's not called the Darkling in the show? He's called General Kirigan. Well, I I mean, I think it's trying to make it less blatantly obvious from the beginning that he's the villain. I mean, I think that's the dark thing. You like, see him like, standing with a dark cloak billowing in the wind as he's looking at the shadow fold. Like, that's basically villain material. I, I mean, but I, I think that's probably why. I think they probably wanted to try to, like, prolong it a little bit so people didn't immediately pick up on that he's supposed to be the villain. That's my guess. The first Listen. time he talks to Alina, he puts a talon on his thumb and puts her arm. Pretty sure that's villain. That's just, that's how they do it, Leanna. Okay. That's the procedure okay Okay. i see both sides i see both sides here (laughs) yeah i so i think that they really wanted to make that um like a a thing like oh he's on his way to becoming the darkling and Mm -hmm. i i don't hate it just because honestly i'm kind of obsessed with show mal so that moment where he calls him darkling i'm like yes call him that i love Mm. you Everything I was Mal so I was like screaming oh, at the TV when um when he found out her favorite flower from Mal <gasps> and then she oh, gave yeah. when when she got oh, the flowers man. from the uh, not the darkling uh, so General Kerrigan like I kept screaming at Alina like don't you know he only knows that he could only know that if Mal is here you know he learned that from Mal Mal <laughs> has to be here figure it out figure it out put it together figure it out the absolute <laughs> audacity of that man I could I was so mad at the TV I was I like know. absolutely not Mal did that. I mean, I low-key would be interested in a spinoff where the Darkling does have somebody who's a good match for him, you know? I mean, because I like him, and I do think seeing him as, like, the romantic protagonist in a story would be very compelling. I just don't like him for Alina. Again, all I can say is (laughs) read the Imperium trilogy. (laughs) So I, um, like, reading the books, I did not like Alina. I did not like Mal. I thought they were both whiny. Same. as hell i thought mal was clingy and annoying and my like my only thought was i was like well they might as well be together because i don't like either of them and they're both whiny <laughs> so they can be together that's fine <laughs> i was like i wish happiness on neither of these people i can't stand either i wish that they would both pass away so that i could have somebody else's anybody else's perspective but so what the the trilogy has that the show obviously doesn't have yet and that I'm very curious to see if they I'm very hopeful that it will go well because the first season was so excellent. But Nikolai. Nikolai. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But see, that's the thing. You know what? I never liked Nikolai as a love interest for her because he is too good for her. But in the show, I don't know. 
no, but I really like Mal in the show. But like in the book, I was like, nah, Nikola is too good for you. No, he deserves someone I never thought like he was too good for her or anything like that. I just, you know, I was like, Nikolai is, he was also never really interested in her that way. Like he kind of was, but like not really. And I was like, he's, you know, he's on his own. He's good on his own. Like he's that Jack Sparrow-ish chaos energy Uh, over there. Just let him be over there. Like, can we find out if they're getting renewed already? Like, get renewed, please. Oh my gosh. It's yeah, it's 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 been I'm like biting my nails over it. Like yeah. every time I think about it. Cause Did I, if, anyone else miss here when uh Jesper named the goat Milo? Because the first time he said Milo, I heard Wylan and I was like, he named the goat Wylan. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Wylan, do you think that the hints were there or am I reading into things where it's like Jesper was talking about possibly hiring an explosives person oh, yeah. and, yeah. then, oh, and yeah. then Kaz had that explosive thing. So do you think that that was a Wyland hint when the, that part where he is about to face off with the Darkling, which by the way, that scene, I literally gasped. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. Yeah, um, and he had some sort of explosive. So I'm like, is that a Wyland hat tip? Or am I reading too much into things? No, I think you're probably right. I think it's probably a nod to it. Um, well, I don't mean, what does that mean, a nod to it? I mean, like, Wylan well, is a part of their crew. So, like, I don't, I don't know what, like. Well, since he's not, I guess. The, like a nod like because a fans, he's not, yeah, like a yeah, fan like a book thing. fan service yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, because is this not. telling us, like, be excited because Wylan is coming in your future or was that just an explosive and I'm reading into things very much? I mean, if they're renewed, obviously Wylan is coming into our future and if they're not renewed, there's no Wylan. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just want to believe that he bought that explosive from Wylan and that we're going to hear about it later on. Wait, I'm sorry. You think Kazbrecker paid money to Wylan for an explosive instead of saying gimme because you owe me because I protected you on the streets. I, I realize the cast record that we both fair. know. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I, I realize my error here, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean I think I think probably it's like a nod for fans of the book. That's my that was what I took from it. Um and hopefully if they get renewed, hopefully um we'll we'll see that that come to fruition i just thought visually this was so well done like the fold yeah and if you actually i mean it looks honestly so high budget and they had a good budget but not that good a budget like they really used it well (laughs) the money they had it looks amazing i yeah i think they did an incredible job and I think Ben Barnes did a fantastic job as the Darkling. I also thought it was really interesting that we got more of his backstory because, like, some of that was definitely not in the books, yes? Yeah. Yeah, like, that that did not come up in the books. I thought that um, I could – I Lee said that that was her favorite episode, episode seven, where we got all that backstory. Oh, that's and my I can, least favorite? <laughs> really? I, I was can, like, what is this? This is wasting my time. Can we not? <laughs> I liked it. I was like, give me more Jesper and, and – Yeah. And but yeah. Or maybe fle- – okay, from like fleshing her? out – uh, fleshing out Nina and Matthias was sorely oh my God, needed. Don't so get me can, started. But yeah, I'm so dude. that time could have been spent fleshing out Nina and Matthias instead of this mm. random ass non-existent Darkling backstory. <laughs> yeah, I think that I can understand from like Lee's perspective why that would be her favorite because this that was really what started um, the whole series for her was she asked herself the question, "What if darkness was a place?" So seeing that 
piece come to life on screen mm-hmm. was probably really exciting for her. I just don't understand why they couldn't have more Nina and Matthias in that episode. I will die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see more Nina and Matthias as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like all of that just happened so quickly. Yes. Oh, that drives me mm-hmm. bonkers. I was so upset yeah. about that. <laughs> Yeah, And there was even a moment where they were in that inn and Matthias is staring at a wolf. Um, what What is it called? When they're they're on the wall and it's just their heads. Mm-hmm. Taxidermy. taxidermy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's staring at a taxidermied wolf head. And that would have been the perfect opportunity for us to have a conversation where he explains who his wolf Trassel is. But we didn't get that, and instead it just, like, skips over so much important backstory about who Matthias is, and that was disappointing for me. Maybe just in general, I mean, there's so, the there's so many <laughs> yeah. more conversations in the book that make you see the push and pull of questioning mm. their backgrounds, questioning their beliefs, saying, yes. why do you think this is evil? Why do you think I'm evil? Like, I've seen my people killed by yours. Well, I've seen my people killed by yours. And, like, yeah. that whole, like, finding don't really common get ground. Much of that. Yeah. 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 Matthias just comes off extra dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. (laughs) Nina makes up for it with her excellency. I love her so much. Book Matthias isn't dumb. He's just kind of prudish and sheltered and been indoctrinated and narrow-minded, but he's not dumb. He comes off so dumb. I will say that the accent makes it worse. I feel like Mm. the accent they had him do was just not it. Uh, not it for me. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the only says sound. like two things and he says them slowly in an accent. <laughs> he just sounds so dumb. I mean, which like we you could have a whole conversation too, though, about like how we interpret the way people talk as like sounding dumb or not and how that can be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just that he, the actor, is an American and yeah. whatever accent they were trying to have him do, mm-hmm. he wasn't hitting it it yeah. just wasn't working for him yeah I can see that yeah I I would love I would have liked to see more of them than what Wait, we also got. I mean like there's Matthias is is genuinely like a threatening figure and mm-hmm. it's only when they start to get to know each other that like they can she can kind of start to trust him but he never yeah. really came off threatening no. at any point in the show he was no. always just this big puppy dog yeah, yeah. which I mean you probably had to do because we got so little screen time. <laughs> so little. It was it was so disappointing. I mean, yeah. they could have made those episodes 15 minutes longer and I could have gotten more Nina. Or just cut the Darkling backstory that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked the Darkling backstory. I thought it was interesting. But, but yeah, not if I it's mean, like sacrificing Nina and Matthias. Yeah, we could have yeah. both, sure. But if we can't have both, I'm choosing Nina and Matthias. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with Leanna on this. That's we bad. may not agree on Mal, but I can agree on this. <laughs> we agree on the Six of Crows stuff, and that's what really matters. That is true. That is accurate. Yeah. They did an amazing job with the Crows and the casting. Like They really, I feel like, embodied those characters. They better not mess up Wylan, because then the whole thing comes crashing down. Yeah. I, the thing that I will be real mad about if they mess up is the relationship between Nina and Inej. That friendship is so important yeah. to me. And if mm. they don't have that on screen, I'm going to be real mad. Yeah. I'm hopeful that they will. <sighs> I am curious if they're going to do any more like mingling where like they're going to try to make part of 
like uh, make the six of crows stuff more interconnected with what's going on in Ravka if they're going to simultaneously be telling Siege and Storm at the same time because you know like the the crows they have to sail um to get to Fjorda in Six of Crows mm-hmm. and we know that Mal and Alina are going to be on a ship for a large portion right. of Siege and Storm so like I don't know if they're going to have them cross paths again that would be interesting yeah i'm i'm not sure how they're going to do that with season two if season two happens but i do think that they have set this up for if we get a long haul we will see more of inej interacting with alina at least because i feel like conversations that she and alina had in the last episode really hinted at that where she said you Mm -hmm. know if you ever need me yeah uh, i'll be you know there for you and with her knives so yes that's important to me i need to see (laughs) that (laughs) okay Thing that I found super creepy was the whole like um, antlers sticking out of her neck. Oh, they made like, that a lot more macabre than it is in the book. Yeah, like in the book, it's just like a big necklace, and like that was so gross. <laughs> yeah, um, I I read somewhere, or maybe it was Lee uh, Lee who said it in an interview, where it just it really shows how grotesque it is not only like physically but what he did to her with you know you put a collar on somebody and it's like oh he gave her a pretty necklace but Mm -hmm. in reality what he did was he disgustingly enslaved her and that really showed that uh did it make me cringe yes well also it shows it's it shows in a very external way the sort of internal violation of taking hold of her power which also a necklace doesn't convey yeah yeah that's true that's true I did think it was interesting. I, I, and you know, it's been a while since I read the original trilogy, but it seemed like we got a little more explanation than what we get in the books for the, um, uh, like the creatures. <laughs> I can't think of the word for them. Well, it's different than it is in the books. Yeah. The, how the amplifiers. Morozovas. Oh yeah. The amplifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different. I don't believe that it was – I mean, I know he was called the Bonesmith, right, Morozova in the books, but I don't believe that it was actually like the bones had to be under your skin in yeah, order no, to, to work. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. I feel like amplifiers in general were sort of um, – More common. To be, yeah, way more mm-hmm. common. Uh, Zoya has one. She has a bracelet, and that was like really important to her, and it comes yeah. up in King of Scars how important that – uh, amplifier the, bracelet was to her. The show made it seem right. like the only amplifiers are Morozova's amplifiers, yes. rather than right. just like, oh, there's a bunch of amplifiers around, but these ones are like super mega special amplifiers. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also seemed like it maybe made a little bit more sense because he was talking about like breeding creatures for it. Because I like the thing that always didn't make sense to me reading it in the books is I was like, wait, so if it was just these three creatures and then he used them for amplifiers, they're gone. So how are there still amplifiers for her to find? This makes no sense. But like, it seems more like a genetic breeding program, kind of maybe the way that they described it in the show, which I was like, that makes more sense if there was like, I mean, in the book, he had been creating those creatures, but like he hadn't you know, like he was working on it and like never mm-hmm. ended up making them into amplifiers. So that's why they were still around. But how would they know that they were amplifiers? Because like, wasn't there like a whole story about like him using the, I don't know, that whole thing never made sense to me. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> well, the creatures were like, I mean, he was using Merzost, which is creating something that doesn't exist rather than using what's already there. And mm-hmm. so these creatures aren't natural creatures. Right. I know that. But wasn't there like a story in the book of um, like Book of Saints or something about him using amplifiers from these creatures to do magic? Like, I'm pretty sure that was like a thing that they reference. Shoot, I don't remember. Well, I haven't read The Lives of Saints, so. Okay. It's not in the trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't think it would have been in the trilogy. I feel like I would remember I thought that. in the Because tr- I thought in the trilogy they referenced that. And that in the was trilogy, there's the pictures drawing. of St. Ilya wh- mm-hmm. or whatever, like, with a firebird and, and with a stag. And, like, there's all these, like, Lives of Saints, which are all these sort of, like, you know, religious folkloric kind of stories which is why there's the whole like oh well that doesn't really exist does it that's just like lore and legend and who's to say which part is legend and which part is history and blah blah mm-hmm. blah and maybe they were actually grisha instead of saints and they kind of have yeah 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 no i know th- i know that part but like specifically when they were talking about him like the illustration they found of him was of like the animals but also of him having the bones on his body in the picture which I was, this is what always confused me as like a plot hole in the original trilogy as I was like, wait, but like if he used them, then what? So like the way they described it in the show made more sense to me. The idea that he was like breeding them in general and there would have been like descendants of them. And it was like they were being used back then, but there were more of them still, if that makes any sense. Like that made more sense to me. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that in the, in the trilogy show. he's wearing amplifiers. I think he's just surrounded by the creatures. I don't think that's right, but. Maybe we'd have to go back and look. Interesting. I'm going to be looking at this tonight. <laughs> I have to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it just always read as a plot hole to me when I was originally reading the trilogy and I was like, what? This makes no sense. But yeah. Maybe I'm oh, so curious now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way we've all read the books and yet <laughs> there's still so many questions i know well i mean like there's a lot of them and a lot of things happen so i'm i'm just like curious to see but it was fun to see it all come to life and like they really i think thought did a great job of like bringing the world and the cities and the like the little palace and everything yeah i agree life. i it it really <laughs> it, it just made the story better for me i i as I said, I didn't really love the original trilogy, but now I feel like I can enjoy it more if I were to go back and reread because I have the show to kind of yeah reframe how I think about it. Yeah. Especially Mal. <laughs> I just like desperately want Lee to write a novella about Jenya and David's love story. <laughs> <laughs> They're my favorite. Well, one thing that I couldn't like, like in the book, I it always read to me that David was probably um, autistic. Like neurodivergent. Yeah. 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 I, I, I felt that way too. Like that was how it read to me, which I don't know how much of that we see on screen as much. Like that was one thing that read to me, like seemed different to me. Like he seemed less like 
that way. I feel like they he's hardly in it yet. Like they really come into it in Season Storm and Ruin and Rising. We saw him for like two seconds. But he was one of my favorites. So I was clearly analyzing it. I want them to get it right. I'm very invested in the storyline. I mean, they had to do like one of the best Easter eggs, which was the Shadow and Bone in Ravkin book that he was reading. Oh my gosh. I loved that so much. I loved it. They better sell that so that we can buy it. The yeah. Rockin edition. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That I think that good. that moment where they're in the little palace and Alina's about to show her powers to everybody and they're looking at each other, Jenya and David, I thought that that was so precious and so mm-hmm. sweet. I loved that mm-hmm. so much from them. And I thought that that, that was I was <laughs> kind of surprised capturing. I was kind of surprised and sad that she didn't end up using the gloves made by David because she really relies on David's gloves. Yes, I was so yeah. surprised about and She that. was like, nah, I don't need these. I was like, oh, yeah. well, I guess David can just leave. Yeah, yeah, even when she runs away from the palace, she still has those gloves and she's yeah. still using them. So I was yeah. like, wait, so we're just not doing that? Oh, Although, can weird. we talk yeah. about her running away and climbing right into the crow's? Oh my like, God, I love funny. that. That was that hilarious. Was like the trunk of their car, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesper's just like, yeah, yeah, we're Just we're ask. Good. Just <laughs> ask. <laughs> that was great. Any sort of final thoughts or things you want to talk about with this? In summation, it was the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> and we are not worthy. <laughs> I think that this is one of the best adaptations that exists. And I'm yeah. just so thankful for it because there have been some real garbage ones. And this mm-hmm. is this is a treat. Yeah, I agree. I think they did an incredible job. Like the visuals, the casting, the way they adapted the plot, I think was fantastic. So Netflix nearly really needs to uh, give us a season two is basically. Yeah. They haven't even started yeah. filming. We're never going to get it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, ugh, it's painful. I, mean, I know. I mean, COVID has also like just messed up everything. Like how long has it been since like we got season one of the witcher it's gonna be like double that at this point yep. and the witcher wasn't even very good <laughs> i liked it okay but ask i mean i was very nervous going into shadow and bone because witcher was real like touch and go on the looking of quality because like some episodes like really high budget and some episodes like really low budget and some even down to like, his wig good. like yeah <laughs> Sometimes his wig was there, and sometimes yeah. his wig was clearly a wig. Yeah, and his contact <laughs> lenses and everything. Oh my lord, the contact yeah. lenses! So I was like, so having funny. seen Witcher done by Netflix, please on stuff like that. Like I, but like I, Shadow I, and Bone was way more consistently good. Yeah. Like everything yeah. all the time. The costumes, the scenery, the the CGI, everything all the time looked top tier. So they yeah. took stuff that I did not imagine as being very cool, like the cut and. Alina's power and made it so incredible looking and I yeah. really appreciated that and I'm like why didn't y'all do that with the Witcher? Yeah, What happened? Cool. Yeah. I did think it was kind of funny that they're um, oh I can't think of the word they use in it but their robes basically are like bulletproof. I'm pretty sure that's not in the books right? That, that is in the book. They yeah, are bulletproof in the book. Are they bulletproof? Yeah. yeah. 
I was yes, like, fabricator are they? made. Oh, okay. They are, um, but the one that like so only the ones that come from the little palace because they're fabricator made. So like the one that you see, well, you don't see it yet, but the one that we uh, hear Nina wearing in Six of Crows when we're introduced yeah. to her, that's mm-hmm. like a piece of crap. It's not made from fabricator. Um, yeah stuff and yeah it's not bulletproof it's a costume yeah yeah i love that scene of jesper repeatedly shooting ivan Mm -hmm. and um in the same spot until he finally like made it through the fabric and i thought that that was such a great hat tip like a like a to the book readers because he asked like what are you because there's no way that you can just be that good of a sharpshooter right yeah. mm-hmm. and also and there's that little moment when um Inej hands the cane back to Kaz and she said Jesper fixed your cane yes that one oh my gosh I love it so much <laughs> the book readers were all screaming at the screen <laughs> in fairness though, the book readers were hoarse by then at already screaming at the screen for like yeah. the last seven episodes so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> true story oh man yeah it was good yay well hopefully hopefully fingers crossed we'll get a season two which would be amazing yes at some point um thankfully people at least are getting back to filming again and so we'll see yes but generally amazing adaptation for anyone listening if you haven't watched it yet go check it out and read six of crows and yes read six of crows yeah yeah for sure Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast so we can continue to reach more listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at Chapter 3 Podcast. You can also now find us on YouTube uh, if you don't want to listen to your episodes via download you can also find episodes on youtube um the next episode will be available in two weeks and this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days thanks for listening